If you will, take your Bibles, open them to the book of Ephesians. How many are worn out by Ephesians? <laughs> Not yet. Okay. The implication there was this may do it. We'll, we'll, uh, I'm I'm trying not to be I'm, I'm trying not to belabor any of these things. At the same time, other things keep coming up as we as we come across them, and I have to be honest with you. I'm really enjoying this because over the past years, if we've been kind of locked into these passages, um, I've kind of had to move quickly through things. So. Um, we won't do a lot of review, I'll talk for a minute, but let's read just a couple things. I'm going to begin, we're reading with chapter 1, verse um, 17. We talked about the first couple of verses of this passage. Uh, again, the first 14 verses of this book, uh, actually verses 3 through 14 is the longest sentence in the New Testament. And then we, actually it doesn't, Lighten up much because the next whole passage is another huge long um, sentence that does break up a little bit. We'll begin reading with verse 17 and then we're going to read a couple other passages in the same book. Uh, he talks about his prayer. I guess maybe I'll read verse 16. I do not cease to give thanks for you, <clears throat> remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and seated him in his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Um, chapter 2, which begins here in the next verse, a couple verses beginning with verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then scoot ahead with me to chapter 4, and we'll read just a a few more verses. Uh, I'm going to jump into the middle of this here. I think you'll catch it, beginning with verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry... For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God 
to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, as we move through this, we'll cover a couple of those later latter passages uh, a little bit later, but they are uh, they relate to what we're going to talk about today. <clears throat> if you want to, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> if you want to skip ahead to the book of Colossians, <clears throat> Paul also prays a similar prayer <clears throat> about those believers there. So um, <clears throat> we're not going to cover that or refer to that, although there's a part of what we're going to talk about today that we could go there and look at it, but I'm going to save that for some future time. Excuse me. All right, hopefully that will help. All right, so last week I shared the reason for Paul's prayer was the faith and love that uh, he perceived in those Ephesians. We talked earlier about what being sealed with the Spirit was. I'm not going to go back and over all of that again. But um, as we looked at it, we, we could see, Paul says, for this reason, because I heard of your faith, he, he said, I'm, I, I'm giving thanks for you, and then he goes on, I'm going to pray for you. Well, here's another reason. And that other reason is all of these things that we just read, that we we uh, or that we looked at in the previous verses. I guess we didn't read them this morning for sake of time. But he talks about he predestined us for adoption and his purpose and the praise of his grace, his grace, <clears throat> and that we are accepted in the beloved and we have redemption and forgiveness and all of those things that he covers in verses three through uh, fourteen. So. The title of this message is To Know and to Grow. <clears throat> so Paul shares a whole bunch of things about the Lord Jesus and his salvation plan uh, and, and many aspects of it. And then <clears throat> he's going to go on here, and we're going to see this as we move through here today. He's going to go on and say, I'm praying that you will understand this. And, and we'll, we'll look specifically at those words. <clears throat> so, to grow, we must know. And the more we know and appreciate all that God has done through Jesus Christ, the more we will grow in Him. There is a, um, <clears throat> I don't know if you can describe it as cyclical, um, I, I, I'm not <clears throat> You know, one thing leads to the next thing leads to the next thing. <clears throat> I don't, uh, that's kind of mechanical. I don't know if it's best to describe it as um, kind of this natural thing that goes on when something grows, that it, it 
you know, you plant the seed, the seed has to have the germ of the, of the plant within it and the warmth from the sun, the nutrients of the soil, the water that comes causes that thing to grow and, and it becomes something different than it was, all of those things. Maybe that's a better way to think about it. I, I, I'm not sure. Except I know that if you, if you break a cycle... <clears throat> excuse me, the thing that's expected to happen doesn't happen because the cycle that would produce it is broken. If you take away one of those elements of growth, <clears throat> then it's very possible that that growth is not going to happen. And when we read in Ephesians 4 about the, uh, the, the passage I, I didn't read about how he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, <clears throat> and then it talks about how those saints are to minister to one another and cause the body to grow up to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And we build one another, we build one another up in love. This whole process of maturity, this whole process of growth <clears throat> is quite a natural process to the believer if, <clears throat> if we will allow, excuse me, if we, if we will allow ourselves to know the things that God wants us to know and believe them with the faith that the Lord gives us. Just like the sun and the soil and, and, and the rain causes the thing to grow, just like that cycle of moving from one thing to the next will produce the next thing unless we interrupt it. So if we, take, if we put a, a cover over the plant so it gets no sun, it's going to die. We have to interrupt. In other words, what I'm saying, we have to interrupt that process. And, and the Apostle Paul is praying for them, and we'll see this here in a second, I hope. The, the Apostle Paul is praying for them so that they will appreciate this process and realize that it's something that God is doing in them. That's what Ephesians 2 is telling us, that he has done this. We haven't done it. We can't boast about it. It's something that he's done, and he's going to continue to do it, and he's created these things, and all we have to do is walk in them. I have a difficult time whenever I read that passage that we walk in them, that I don't start playing with my fingers and walking along. <clears throat> so to grow, we must know. And the more you know, the more you grow. And the more you grow, the more you know. Now, it's not just a mental thing, and we'll, <clears throat> we'll talk about that here. So, in verses 15 and 17... <clears throat> I didn't read to you. Um, oh, I'm in the wrong chapter. Let's get back to one there. <clears throat> I didn't read to you all of these, but in verse 15, he uses the words uh, uh, Lord Jesus. And in verse 17, he uses the word Lord Jesus Christ. He uses those, those, uh, that terminology. So Jesus is the object of our faith. And I, I think we need to understand, because sometimes there's some doctrinal confusion out here, deity implies sovereignty. What kind of God might we have who cannot rule and control and do? I mean, the reason we pray is because God can and does intervene. And these whole process, this whole thing that we talked about in... We spent quite a bit of time talking about in those first verses about God's wonderful plan and, and how it was, it was, that plan was put into place before the foundation of the earth. Before we were born, um, 
God had all of these things worked out, <clears throat> knew where we were going to be, knew what we were going to do, and, and ordered all of these steps for us even before we were, even before we were conceived. You cannot separate, as some do, Savior from Lord. Now think with me, folks. Salvation is not received in parts, as some have and do teach. And, and so there's no, there's no concept of making him Lord later. Um, it's interesting to me that when the Apostle Paul <clears throat> encountered, without going to that and reading that passage in the book of Acts, when the Apostle Paul encountered this vision of God, <clears throat> the first thing out of his lips were, Lord, <laughs> what am I to do? His first word was acknowledging that he was in the presence of someone greater than himself. Now again, think with me. <clears throat> we can't make him Lord later. We, and, and there are some who have taught this, that you accept Jesus as your Savior now, and then you make him Lord later. Rather, salvation is a surrender to the Almighty God who died for us. And that's what we see going on with this process of, of the Son incarnate, who became flesh and dwelled among us and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Son, full of grace and truth. So think with me. This whole business of me accepting him is backwards. It's not me who accepts him. It is him who accepts me. And I am only acceptable to Father because of the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus paid it all, and all to him I owe. He's Lord. So it's not, it's not a matter of me. Um, you know. Folks, anyone you invite in, you can kick out. And when you invite them in, you're the boss. That's different than saying it's not my house anymore. Does that make sense? And and for too long we've confused this because we 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 don't want to really challenge people with their sin and the fact that there is nothing that they can do. He is he is indeed Lord. He is the one who accepts us. That's what Ephesians chapter one six, uh, chapter one verse six says in the. In the King James, it says, makes us acceptable in the beloved. He, he cleanses us from sin. He's the one who paid the price. He's the one who provides for us the righteousness. He has done it all. That's why we read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. If he is not Lord, on what basis do we yield? He's not our equal. If he's not our master, then, then why do we yield? Now, none, none of us knows knows everything there is to know about Jesus as Lord. We're just all working. I want to read to you. Where's my book? I want to read to you this passage here. I was going to try to write this down, and uh, <laughs> I decided that it was easier to read it because it was going to take me... When I got done writing it, I was basically going to be copying, and that's kind of not a good idea. So it's just well said. <clears throat> 
Granted, this is from uh, MacArthur's, John MacArthur's commentary on the Ephesians. Granted, no person received Jesus Christ with a full understanding of all, of all he is or all he requires as Lord of those he saves. Many Christians come to Christ with only the barest idea of his sovereign deity and what it means, means to belong and submit to him, but they are willing to submit. Now, I'm going to interrupt this here. Um, well, let me read on. But they are willing to submit, and he gives a bunch of references I won't read, to give up all they are and have and to leave all and follow him. I submit to you that if that willingness is not there, they are not a believer. If they are not willing to submit, to give up, and to leave all and follow, they're still in the process. And can that be a process? Yes, it can. Uh, and I, I can't... Uh, th- this is not a scientific thing, you know, you, 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 where you can put one part of this and one part of that and these two molecules come together and make a third. It, it, it's, not, it's not that kind of, of, of precise sort of thing. I find it interesting that when Stephen is stoned, the Apostle Paul is holding the cloaks of those who stone him. Now, I don't want to read more into this, but I've often wondered what was going through the Apostle Paul's mind. Remember, I already referred to the fact that the moment the Lord appeared to him, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? There was immediate um, brokenness to him. And if you read that passage carefully, when... um, the man comes to pray for the Apostle Paul. He tells Paul what Paul's to do. All right, I, I, again, time doesn't allow us to go and investigate all that, but, but read it. Paul is waiting blind for those days for someone to come and tell him what to do. And when that man comes and says, Paul, I've called you to take the gospel of the Gentiles and the kings and to preach, then... Paul immediately begins up and goes and does what he's supposed to do. So in my thinking, and again, you can disagree with this because it doesn't say it plainly, doesn't say all this plainly in Scripture. I'm I'm drawing inferences from it. In my thinking, Paul was so ready that when, even though he was involved in all of this violence against Christians and persecuting them, that he later said makes me unworthy to even be be an apostle. But he was so ready, and when the Lord Jesus appeared to him, he, he, was, he was done. It was over. He gave up. Lord, what do you want me to do? And he waited three days to find out, and the moment he did, he went and did it. And I thought, what, what all went on in the apostle? Oh, he, <clears throat> we don't know the stories, but he was, he was arresting people. What was that like? One story we do know was he held the cloaks of those who stoned Stephen to death. You know this is in your Bible, don't you? And it's very possible, if I don't know how far away he was, that he saw Stephen die. Where Stephen's testimony was, he looked up and he said, I see the father and the son standing on his right hand. So it was kind of a long way around to come back to this. <clears throat> I 
this, this salvation process is something that God does in us where he brings us to this place where there is nothing else but him. He's not an addition to my life. He is my life. That's why the apostle could say, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's why the apostle can say, I can do all things through Christ. I mean, not, not him, it was Christ in him. That's why the apostle could say, Christ in you, what? The hope of glory. It's all Jesus, it's all Christ. Let me go back to this. They're willing to submit, willing to give up all they have, and, and to leave all and follow him. Once they have come to him, some Christians lose their first love for him as Savior and resist obeying him as Lord. But their lovelessness makes him no less Savior, and their resistance makes him no less Lord. Christ is not accepted in parts, first the Savior and later as Lord. Jesus the Savior is Jesus the Lord, and Jesus the Lord is Jesus the Savior. He does not exist in parts or relate to believers in parts. Awareness, appreciation, and obedience to him as Savior and Lord change. We are faithful to him. Excuse me, when we are faithful to him, those things increase, and when we're unfaithful, they diminish. But the fact of Jesus' lordship begins the same moment he becomes Savior, and neither his lordship nor his saviorhood changes for believers from that time through all eternity. He's not less Lord because I don't make him Lord. I cannot, I have no power, to use the words of Lincoln, to add or detract from what Jesus Christ did. I have no power whatsoever against it. He is who he is through all of history. My, my only part in this is, and, and the reason that Paul is praying is, is knowing it, recognizing it, and appreciating it, and worshiping him, and glorifying him for whom he is, and for what he has done. Now, we, and the, the point of all this is that we don't always, under, we don't always understand that, and and. and and we grow and we change through this whole process. So Paul prays. So the first thing we're going to look at is, is um, how does he pray? And we'll look at the subject of his prayer, you know, what he wants to happen, but how does he pray? <clears throat> he says, um, I make mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know. And then he goes on. After that, no, he goes on to list the things he wants us to know. Hope, power, greatness, might, and so forth that he talks about. So he says, I want you to know and appreciate all that God has done. The first couple words he uses there are revelation and wisdom. Now normally, revelation means to know something. You, something is revealed to you, you see it, you, you understand it. Wisdom is the application of that knowledge. So... I said earlier, you know, to know and to grow. And then the more you know, the more you grow, and the more you grow, the more you know. It's not just a mental ascent. Growing is a change. There is something happening. So 
we make application of what we know. It's not just a mental thing. Change is involved. It, 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 it changes our thinking. Uh, and it cha- it cha- I, there's more other scriptures here. I can't give them all this morning. We're going to run out of time. It changes our thinking. And it also changes the way we act and the way we live. Christians are always changing from who we are, from who we were, from who we are, to what the Lord wants us to be made in, the, in Christ's image. And that's, that's why he says we're his workmanship and he's created, he's created these works for us to walk in. That's why later in this same book, and, it, and by the way, it's in other epistles and we'll, we'll look at some of those later. And later in this same book in, in Ephesians 4, he talks about how we're going to grow up into the to the image of Christ, become mature. It says become a mature man, but it, 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 it means a mature person, a, a mature believer. That, that we, uh, in other places, that, we're, that word mature means final and complete. So there's always this changing that goes on. It, and, and, and it's him that's doing it. We are his workmanship, so he's the one who does it. It's not based on our works. We don't, we don't get down on our knees at the end of the night and say, Lord, did you see the good stuff I did today? Okay? So help me have a good night's sleep because I was a good boy today. That's not how it works. <laughs> I reminded of that little old lady. That's not how any of this works. Okay, I'm going to have to get that ad back out again if I can find it. Uh, I'll make a note on my phone. Some of you watch that ad too. All right, so we'll go. All right, too much cultural stuff. Let's go on. All right. So Paul prays that we would know and apply what? Jesus. Verse 17. All right, so that we'll know him. Uh, He says, I'm praying the God of the Lord Jesus Christ may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So that we may know Him. And what we already have in Him. All of these things that, we, that are in the beginning with verse 3. And, and then He's going to give some more things here to come. That, that have already been done. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says... That he has already given us what all things that pertain to what life and godliness already done, and we also talked about earlier how much of this is in the in the past tense. Look, look with me um, at chapter two, verse one. And you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which, with, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved." And I could read on and we'll get back in the passage. All of that was past tense. All of it. He's writing to these believers in Ephesians, in Ephesus, 
and the others to whom the letter was passed to, he's writing to believers, and all of it was past tense. You were dead. You did walk this way. But thanks be to God who did this, past tense. So it's all past tense. So he, he's praying here so that we will see when it talks about the, um, the eyes of our heart. In, in, the, in, in that culture, your heart was where you thought. We, in this culture, we think it's our brain. You know, we think we, th- we, think, we think with our brain. <laughs> I, I'm not going there. So, just, <laughs> uh, but in that, in that culture, the heart was the seat of cognition and, and all of the things basically that made a person a person. Um, having the eyes of your heart's enlightened and then he goes on to talk about hope so why does he do this he does this because he wants them to grow now follow with me here a little bit here as we close this up then as now some believers are always floundering about for some missing ingredient. Some experience to confirm the love of God. We don't do altar calls here, and the reason we don't do them is because I, I, I'm, I'm absolutely positive that one that's not in Scripture. Two, it creates this false thing, and, and, uh, and I've seen people go to the altar multiple times because they were always missing something. So one, they were never really saved in the first place, or two, they never really knew what being saved was. And if all we ever talk about is being saved and not what it is of how to be saved, not what it is to be saved, they're never going to really understand what it is. And I'll talk more about some of the ramifications of this. So people are, are all the time, or some people are all the time trying to confirm the love of God and experience something new. And, there, and so there's always this longing and there's grasping for this other thing. Often, this leads to legalism and this unbiblical self-denial where folks are trying to gain God's approval. I want another blessing. I, I, I want another experience. I'm going to do this so God gave, God gave me a great experience so I did that the last time so I'm going to do it again. Almost every denominational sidetrack and rabbit trail starts that way. I was, you know, um, I, I don't have time to go there. But you, you, stop, it, you, you stop it thinking about it. I, I, folks, every Sunday I depend upon you to do some thinking. I hope that's not a mistake. <laughs> Secondly, so this, this hunger, I go back to this, this hunger and this dissatisfaction is what goes on, this yearning for some missing agreement, secondly, leads to a dependence on experience and emotional high. And we need that because that confirms the Lord's love and acceptance. And too frequently, our churches feed this dissatisfaction. We get manipulated 
They feed the dissatisfaction so they can fill it with something they have. Come on. You know that all advertising is like that, don't you? I was amazed. I had to laugh out loud at people who were happy because they got a thing that rid their room of dampness. And they were kind of dancing into the room because they had this stuff that took the dampness out of their room and they could hang it there. Okay, now, I'm sure that there's a need for that product. But I'm also sure it doesn't... I don't know that it's going to quite create that emotional response that we saw in the ad. And the two neighbor guys who come out in their pajamas and are singing about the wonders of some internet connection just really... I tried to shut the volume off. I don't want to even think about a concept. But what is, what is most of this advertisement stuff? It's creating a need in you for the product they want you to have. Um, now there's a place, now think with me, there is a place for telling you what my product can do Because if you have a need for it, you're going to want to know that so you can use it. I mean, you're following this. Does this make sense? I want you to see that's what the Apostle Paul is trying to say. So look, you got a need. Your need's already been solved. Right here is the product. Here is what Jesus Christ has already done. And that's what he's trying to show these folks. Too frequently our churches feed this dissatisfaction so they can fill it with something that they offer. Serve the Lord in our ministry. You know, make sure you're here on Tuesday nights or Thursday nights or Sunday mornings or whatever it is because if you're going to serve the Lord, you need to do it in our ministry. Or make sure you don't miss the next time to come so you can be blessed by our musical performance. Oops, sorry. Ministry. When numbers become vital... And increase the signs of the sign of God's blessing, we get led toward unbiblical practices that lead people astray. And it leads on a cycle where we have to continually provide more entertainment, more emotionalism, and more things to do corporately. Christianity is not a meeting. So I'm covering lots of covering lots of ground here and lots of, of basis here. And what you say, why are you saying why preacher, why are you always saying this stuff? Because I came out of the system that did that. I have friends where people who used to be friends in those same systems who will defend them, who give their lives to them and their energy to them and their thought to them and think it's the biblical process and they're wrong and I'm constantly asking myself folks this is not about me but I just want to tell you what I think I'm constantly asking myself Lord how can I do that sometimes I challenge what people think and they, and they get irritated at me 
and they don't like me. And that bothers me, and I'm going to do it anyway. And by the way, some of our, some of this pertains to how some denominations understand communion and baptism. We'll maybe talk about that at some other time. Now, let me give you the key here. The key to know and grow, and we'll close with this. I know I'm past time because my screen is blank. Bless his heart. Andy takes the time's up thing down so I don't continue to look at it. But when I see the screen is blank, I know I'm over. So the key to, to this know and grow is, is a couple fold. And, and we've talked about some of these things over a period of time. But, but the main thing that you need to do is get in this book. This is, as the same apostle wrote, the sword of the Spirit. This is what the, the Spirit uses to bring truth to your life and, and to show you what God has done and what He wants to do and to increase your faith. Faith comes from hearing what? The Word. You can't have faith without a promise or a a truth. So when you read this book and you come across a truth, it may be that there's some something in your life, and you have and you have to say, Lord, if if I'm going to believe that, I have to do something differently. Do I believe that? And that's where faith comes in. And when you read the apostle, hear, hear what he says. He said, I, when I heard, he says, I didn't cease to give thanks to you. And I remember you in my prayers when I heard about your faith and your love for the others, love for others. So he's talking about their faith, their trust in Jesus, their trust in the Lord. And that faith comes from getting into this book. We don't get in, we get tossed, as scripture read, as we read in scripture, we get tossed and we're like children and we get tossed about by all of this stuff and we hop from one thing to the next because we don't have stability, because we don't get into this book. This book gives us faith, and it anchors us, and it makes us solid. And, and, and of course, none of us are, none of us are perfect. <laughs> um, for our young men's study, we're reading Bonhoeffer's book on cost of discipleship. I, I encourage you to read it. The young, the young guys, a lot of the young guys are reading it, older folks. And if you don't read it, they're going to know things you don't know. Just a hint. Um, but it was interesting reading his chapter on nonviolence and how you should resist not evil. Now, if you know the history of Bonhoeffer, you know that he was involved in the plot to assassinate Hitler. There are, there are things... Through this, through this, I mean, we can, we can feel all comfortable and secure in what we know now, and tomorrow we'll read something in Scripture and we'll go, oops, I never understood that before. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's why we read this book. Folks, you must read this book. Say, well, I listened to so-and-so. I'm going to do a, 
I, I'm going to, I've been trying to do it. I'm going to try to put together a little short YouTube video. Be careful about what you listen to and look to. You know, there's all kinds of things on YouTube um, where people are playing other people's messages in excerpts and then commenting on them. And how many know anytime you do anything that's excerpted, you can change the meaning of it? Well, that's, you know, that's no good way to do it anyway. It's okay to add some stuff, but your faithfulness being here and, and, and then your faithfulness getting into this book will cause faith to grow in your life. You've got to have something to build faith on and that comes from this book. And when you read this book, the Holy Spirit says there. That's what I've been trying to show you. Only he doesn't say it as crudely as I just did. (laughs) It goes on the inside and you say, oh, thank you, God. I never saw that. That's so wonderful, Lord. And, and, and And it changes you. Bit by bit, it changes you because you read this book and faith grows and there's maturity there. And, and in that maturity, there is a peace in the Lord Jesus. You're not like um, <clears throat> Martha running all around. You're like Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. And there's peace. And there's rest. And there's strength. And there's stability. Strength, you're grown up to the stature of the measure of fullness of Christ, a mature person. Stability, you're not blown with every wind of doctrine that comes down, comes blowing through. To know and to grow. Get in this book. Heavenly Father, we look forward to more of what Paul prays for these people where he talks about their hope and your power. And I pray that as we read through these scriptures in these just few short verses in the days and weeks to come, that you'll increase our faith, that you'll cause us to be strong and stable that you'll realize, Lord, that we'll realize, Lord, how great and mighty your works that you have already done on our behalf. Open the the eyes of our understanding. Open the eyes of our heart. Give us wisdom. Help us see. And Lord, if we've been tossed and hungry and and dissatisfied, let our dissatisfaction be fed on feeding on your word. Let our hunger be satisfied by looking into the holy scriptures that you've given us, which are there to make us wise and to give us reproof and correction and instruction. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.